Hey guys, it's Annika and Jude, and we are back with another episode of The Truth of Youth. Our summer schedules have been very crazy, but school is starting up again in just over a week, so we are finally both home and in the same time zone for the first time in, like, I don't even know, five months. Yeah, navigating different time zones all summer while trying to record has been very hectic, so I'm really relieved that we finally returned to some sense of, like, normalcy in our regular schedule, And speaking of normalcy, for today's episode, we will also be returning to a fan favorite series, Great Debates. Um, But before we hop into this episode, Annika, what's been going on? Have you seen my nose ring? You got a nose ring? It looks so good. I couldn't see it from this angle. My camera quality isn't very good. It's not an actual nose ring. I begged my parents and they said no. Um, But I said, you know what? I'll get a fake one and we'll see what it looks like. And I've been getting a lot of compliments. I think it looks pretty natural on me if I do say so myself. So my plan is for my 18th birthday, because you don't need consent then, to have like my 18th birthday party there, like at like a piercing place, and then just get it done there. Watch everyone walk out and be like an actual like menace. They're going to have 600 piercings. They're going to be scared of magnets. It's just like, because I don't have my ears pierced right now, just that's like personal preference. So people think it's weird that I would get my nose pierced and not my ears but I don't know I just think it looks better like I have a little gold hoop even though you can't see it now because obviously there's no video but I don't know that's that's been like my main thing that's been going on these past couple weeks that I think I needed to update you on wow no it looks good you should get it done what about you Jude? what's been going on um well I went I missed my flight to back into um New York on my way back from France um so I had to drive from one airport to another airport in England and hop on a flight there, which was a standby flight. So we we're really lucky to get it. I came back. There was an hour long wait to get through uh, customs and immigration. I got through that. I had eight hours in New York and then I went straight to Colorado where I did a lot of hiking. On the second day, I got so altitude sick that I threw up because on the first day I did a two hour hike followed by two hours of working out in the gym. And then I just barfed everywhere um, because the altitude is super high there. Um, yeah. Next day, I felt really pretty bad. Um, so I've done some hiking, some swimming. I've eaten lots of nice food there. And now I'm back and I've been doing some swimming in the Long Island Sound. Also, did you hear about the the bacteria that they found in the Long Island Sound? I Maybe did I hear been... about that. The necrotizing fasciitis mm-hmm. eats your flesh. I mean, I, I think it's only in certain areas, but nonetheless, pretty scary. Um, I'm finishing off my summer homework. I say finishing off. I still have a good chunk of it, but I still have like, what, 10 days. So I'll be fine. Yeah, me too. I feel like I've gotten a good portion of it done. I'm just finishing up a couple of things, but I think I'll be good before school starts. Um, Lengthy parts, like the reading and things like that, which actually you couldn't just like plow through. I've gotten done. Me too. All right. Um, let's do our question really quickly. I already chose one at random. And it is, what is your favorite breakfast cereal and why? I would definitely say cinnamon toast crunch because it gives me like that kind of like homey cinnamon roll type feeling. Even though I don't really eat breakfast cereals very often, it's like when I do, it's usually because like I'm not home. Like it's, they, we usually just don't have them in the house. So it's like a very homey feeling in my opinion. My favorite one is, of course, it would be is an English cereal that you can't get here called Jordan's Country Crisp. Um, and it's just like, it's like kind of, it's good though. It's hard to explain. It's like oat, um, oat like crumbly bits, but it's like very sweet. Like it's not healthy. I wish it was. I mean, are any breakfast cereals healthy? I feel like they found that like basically every single one is just super processed and has all these preservatives and like sugar in it. But 
at a certain point, sometimes you got to forget about that and just eat your breakfast cereal because they're good and they're tasty. Yeah, don't worry about the future effects of it. Oh. You know, don't, don't look into the future because why would we do that? All right. Um, yeah, so okay. with that, Jude, do you want to get right into this episode? Yes, Annika, let's do it. All right, so obviously, since it's great debates, we are not going to be doing our three th- truth of today questions. And honestly, I feel like every other episode, we don't do three truths of today. So I feel like I can't call it our usual three truth of today questions because it's like not anymore. But I kind of do. I think in the future, especially these next couple weeks, we're going to start getting more into our usual rhythm of three truths of today questions um, every other week. But um, we are going to be obviously just doing a few controversial statements and then arguing one side. Yep. For our last episode of Great Debates, we challenged ourselves by having one stance on each statement predetermined, and we had to argue it no matter our personal beliefs. Um, so today we're doing that again. Um, and so Annika has actually assigned us each. It, and I, you know, I wasn't involved in this because, again, Annika was the organized one. So maybe she had some fun with this. Uh, I honestly, I, I wish that I like took the time to think, oh, let me think of which one's going to make Jude like annoyed if I give him like the pro or the against stance. But like, I genuinely just did it at random because I think that makes it more natural and like more interesting to like watch us struggle a little bit. I'm not um, going to lie. I would find the ones that annoyed you. So you're much more mature than me, obviously. Okay. Well, you've given me an idea for next time. So okay. our first question is our first statement is that students should be required to take art electives throughout high school so it's just an art requirement that could mean like music that could mean visual arts theater whatever so she's going to take against that and i'm going to take pro i hate ceramics Ugh. i know i feel like this is a hard question because june and i are both really into ceramics we got into it together actually we started like doing a class at school and we're going to continue that so it's hard for you to probably argue against the arts requirements, but you know what? You want to start? You want me to start? I'll start. Um, okay. Look, guys, if you're not passionate about something, I think it's really hard to force someone to do it. I think that if someone doesn't want to do something because they're not particularly interested in it, they'll find a lot of ways to get around it. Um, and I think that it's already like the arts is already somewhat of a neglected subject. And I don't think forcing kids into it necessarily gives it the best reputation. That's fair. I mean, I think that my thing is before, like, I'm going to use me as as an example. When I was going into high school, I knew I was going to do some visual arts classes because I had taken those before and I liked them. And it was a great way to just check off my art requirement. But then I like got two of my credits done and it was like, it's time, like we needed four credits in like one medium or something. I don't remember the specifics, but I was like, okay, great. Like, let me try and take a ceramics class. This is like what prompted that. I was like, I just need to get my requirement and let me figure it. Like, let me try it. Not expecting much. And it turned out to be like literally my favorite class. One of my biggest passions at this point, like I really enjoy it. And I want to continue doing that throughout high school and maybe even into college just like as a hobby. Um, and genuinely, I don't think I could have ever seen myself signing up for a ceramics class if I wasn't required to do it. I think that because kids nowadays are really like, at least where we are, are very like college focused and college oriented, you're going to want to take like the hardest classes, what's going to look good on like um, a transcript. And I'm like the first to say I would probably not be taking ceramics. I'd be trying to like stack up on like history electives or something that looks more like academic and that's in air quotes because honestly, who cares? But I think that by forcing kids and it is definitely forcing them to try out different mediums and different like arts then I think you're really 
forcing them to lean into a different side of their academic learning because you're still learning it's just something that you're like using a side of your brain that you usually wouldn't use like in other classes which I think is really important to activate and then also like like it happened for me I don't know about you about ceramics but I really just discovered a part of myself that that's kind of dramatic not a part of myself I discovered a passion that I truly never thought existed um so for me that's why I'm like a big proponent of kind of forcing kids but obviously at the same time I understand what you're saying like I would have kids in all of my art classes who just did not want to be there and I feel like in a sense it kind of disrupts the environment but maybe you can speak on that because I'm not supposed to argue that um well I would just say that I just think that you know high schoolers in many ways aren't that different from small children and so if a little kid isn't into something they're not going to be you know, it's really hard to get them to be enthusiastic. It's hard to get them to put the work in. And I think that you can find creative things that you enjoy that aren't necessarily like actual art classes. And so therefore, I think that like, you know, maybe kids should be required to take electives, but I don't think they should be required to take art electives. That's fair. I mean, we also have like a comp sci requirement at our school. And I think a lot of high schools do that too. And like, for me personally, I knew going in, I was going to hate it. And every single minute of it, I hated comps. I like, I'm, that's so not my thing. It's not up my alley, like never enjoyed it. And I really just didn't enjoy the class. And honestly, I don't want to say it was miserable because that's really dramatic. I had a great teacher, but it just really wasn't my thing. And I did not like the class at all. And like, it, I did find it, I did find it hard to like stay motivated and to put in the work and to, you know, produce good work in that class versus in my visual arts classes, I'm constantly striving to, you know, create good work. So I do completely understand how like forcing kids to take a class is probably not like the, like, especially if they know, if they think they're going to hate it and then they go into it and they do hate it. And it's just like the work they produce isn't going to be great because they're like, you know, they're not into it. You need to be passionate about something. But honestly, I just think the number of kids who probably will find their passion through some sort of art class that they wouldn't have taken if it wasn't a requirement outnumbers the number of kids who are like actively hating it. And like even kids you would least expect, like I know people who were very much like either academically oriented or very much like sports oriented who never thought about visual arts because they kind of like pushed it aside as like something for the arts kids to do. And then they ended up realizing how it's such a relaxing outlet. So I also think that it's a big Thing for stress relief and mental health but that's just my opinion I, I do feel pretty passionate about Leah about this one like this one does align with my actual belief um okay so question two snapchat is a beneficial app for young adults and I actually I'm gonna be honest Annika put me against and she is pro and luckily I am against sort of snapchat because I a lot of people will be like oh it's so good for being social and stuff like that but I mean from in many senses number one Snapchat isn't protecting your data at all. Um, it's like really taking it and using it against you. Every It's basically one of those things, which is like, once you put it on the internet, it's going to be there forever. And I feel like that stays true for Snapchat, which is kind of scary. Number two, I think it's very, um, it's very time consuming at times, especially when people get very into it, like with streaks and everything like that. People spend a lot of time on Snapchat. And not even necessarily with people that they particularly want to socialize with or talk to. It's just like they've been sending pictures to them because they heard about an app that you send pictures to people from. And then it just sort of became part of their life. I think it's time consuming. I don't think it's necessary, especially not with things like iMessage and WhatsApp. Like you can just text someone. And I also and I think that also just feels like it maybe has a little bit more substance and thought to it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely... 
have a hard time arguing for Snapchat being like beneficial. And I'll be the first to say, I use Snapchat quite a bit, mostly because I'm addicted, not because I want to. Like, it's just become ingrained in my brain where like every morning I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, gotta stop from these people, I'll snap them back, yada, yada. It's just like, I have my streaks going. I don't want to lose my, my thousand day streak or whatever. And like, when you look at it from afar, it's really stupid because that's literally just the number of days you've sent a picture of yourself to somebody. So it's pretty juvenile if you think of it like that. But since I do have to argue for it, I will say that I have some friends who are a little older than me and like they're at college. And obviously like even friends who just have like have moved far away and I'm not in that type of relationship where like I'm on a texting basis with them, but I'll view like their Snapchat story and it's like, oh, I'm like at, you know, this national park. That's so cool. Or just like seeing what they're up to every day is kind of a good way to stay connected in a sense. And like that goes for, obviously I switched schools when I was uh, younger going into the school we're at now. And of course I had to leave behind all my friends. And even though some of them live close by, it's really difficult to make time to see them. And it's great to like, you know, see their story and be like, swipe up on it and be like, oh, that's so cool. Like you can offer like a good source of conversation. Whereas me having to go text them like, hey, what's up with you can be like kind of like staged and awkward versus like being able to immediately start a conversation based off of what they post on their story or what they, if they snap me a picture of like their new dog, I can respond like, oh, that's so cute. Yada, yada, when did you get that? So I feel like for that, it's good for friends who you don't see all the time or friends who just like, you're not, you kind of lost touch with and you want to stay, you want to regain some sort of connection. It's great to jump back into their lives by swiping up on a Snapchat story. But also like, let's be very clear here, like Snapchat, it's been said that Snapchat was designed for teenagers to send explicit content to each other without it being there forever. But everyone knows it's always there. So I think it's a very dangerous app. Um, and I think I feel like I feel like I need to preface with that because in no means am I saying that I think this is a good, healthy app for teens, but I do have to argue that. So I'll say that in terms of friendships and communication and connecting with people you don't always see, it's really good for that. But in terms of like everything else, um, like I don't understand. And I like I feel like I'm a little hypocritical because I, like I said, I am super addicted to it, but I do want to try and wean off that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I think there's, I feel like a, a lot of the argument for it is often like being social, but I think there's so many healthier ways to do it. And I think that's just one thing which I would like to touch upon. I'm not saying I don't use Snapchat also. <laughs> kind yeah. of so our fourth statement is choosing profession for the money rather than for the passion is a wise decision. Jude's taking the pro. So taking the against in this little situation here, meaning that I think that you should choose a job for passion. I've actually been having this, I don't want to say debate, but this discussion with many of my family members. I have like cousins who are a bit older than me and they're kind of entering the workforce. And I think that it was, it's in their eyes, both of my cousins and my sister are kind of thinking about choosing a path that's going to lead them to big money. And then they'll be like, oh, well, I can like make a huge sum and then relax and not have to worry about it, retire a little earlier than some of my peers or like my classmates or whatever. And like, lead a healthy life and I can like never have to worry about like funding my kids college I can go on crazy vacations I can buy a really big house I can like you know just spend as I please and not have to worry about money and while in theory I agree that that sounds great the one thing that I always think about is if you're going to be miserable for like 20 years of your life because you're just working your butt off to make an insane amount of money without really enjoying what you're doing 
is it really worth it to maybe get like those years of happiness once you're in like that different stage of life? Like personally for me, I don't really know what I want to do yet, but I know I want to do something more related to like the humanities. And I think that it doesn't take like a crazy intelligent person to know that that field doesn't make as much money as if you were going into like tech or like economics or business or something like that. Like, it's just, you're not going to make that much money right off the bat. Um, And I feel like that's something I've come to terms with because I think I would rather get up every day and be excited to go to work. And I'm not saying like, I'm going to be excited every day. It is work after all, but feel like I'm really happy about what I'm doing. Feel like I'm making a difference. And like, this is my true passion And then I feel like I'll get more day-to-day happiness, even though, yes, bills will probably be more of a concern than for those cousins who I was talking about. And like, I might not be able to go on these lavish and crazy vacations, but I think that my mood in those like 20 years where I am like, you know, not making very much money or however long, I think that that will reflect more positively on my friends and my family because I'll just be more content with myself and my day-to-day life because, you know, I'm doing something that I love versus people who are suffering through a job that they hate and then they're probably stressed out miserable gonna like lash out at people so that's that's my personal opinion yeah I mean I just think that especially with the state of the world as it is and like you know like housing crisis crises I don't know um people struggling to bring in enough to feed their families and feed themselves you know the world sort of like having a lot of economic problems I think that as much as it would be a good idea to pursue a job solely out of passion depending on what your goals are it would often like not necessarily be feasible I think a lot of people forget how necessary money is as much as I would like to do something maybe selfless or or you know something that I'm completely passionate about that it's just not really how the world works and so I think that People say money doesn't make happiness, but I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that there's certain monetary things which do kind of in, increase people's happiness. It, and I, it sounds bad, but I, I think that it's sort of like you're sort of lying to yourself if you can't admit that in many ways money does help people be happier. It does, for sure. But like, think about how te- professions like being a teacher, I think if you're going to be a teacher, you know damn well going in you're not making very much money so you are doing it for the passion and like we need teachers like we can't really survive on this earth without teachers who are willing to pass down knowledge and it's like professions like that where like you really are doing it for a selfless cause and like we need those people it's not like we have like an abundance of people who are willing to be teachers like obviously the appeal is probably less than like having some big like want trading job where like you're going to make a ridiculous amount um and be like very happy and like whatever you like you said money will buy you happiness you'll be able to spend as you please but I think that as oh like as a society we do need people who are willing to accept more day-to-day happiness rather than long-term happiness where I can retire and when I'm like 50 years old and just like set back like settle back on like my beach house and whatever and like take a chill pill like yes I think that if you are taking a job more for the passion because you really don't want to make a difference, you're probably going to work just as hard as people who are, you know, doing something for the money. It's just that I genuinely believe that you would enjoy doing it because you feel like you're making a difference. You feel like you're following your true passions, in which case I like, I obviously I haven't experienced this yet, but my guess is that you would be happier on a day-to-day basis. And like, you might need to give up some of that happiness that comes when you see your friends going to Hawaii for the week and you can't afford to do that but 
every day, hopefully you wake up or not every day, you know, 70% of the time you wake up every morning and you're like, you know what, I feel fulfilled. And I think that fulfillment means different things to different people. For some people, fulfillment means making a ridiculous amount of money. For some people, fulfillment means finding a passion or like a job and pursuing that passion. So I guess it's more of a question of what fulfills you. Well, I have another solution to this issue, which is do what you like, but marry rich. That is so true. So basically, you should go to Penn and marry someone from Warren. Basically, go to an Ivy League and then find a legacy student. Yeah, because then you can do what you love and then you, yeah, you can just find a sugar mom or your daddy. That's what my mother says to my father because she works for a charity. <laughs> so she goes, although I would be his boss if I was, um, if I was working, if he was working for me, someone has to, someone has to bring in uh, enough money to live in Rye. And I was like, I respect you for that. I respect that. Um, okay. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, teachers should assign summer work. Why are you putting me... You, Annika put me pro for this, even though she knows I'm panicking about my summer work. Um, I think that it's a good... I'm going to have a small argument for this one because it pains me to even, to even say such things. Um... I think it's good to keep students' brains working, but I think that it should only be a very small amount and it should take like a day at the end of August. So basically you just argue the against. No, I said it should be assigned to keep students' brains alive. How about this? I think that there should be summer reading. I think you should be required to read books on the subject. So maybe read a book in Spanish, read a book, read books for English, and then like read a science book or something like that. But I don't think that should be written work because I think that's really annoying. I think I can't, I can't argue fully for this, Annika. It, it hurts. It hurts. I mean, per I think we have a personal connection to this because we're going through it right now. And like, obviously, I think most people who listen to us know that we're about to go into our junior year. And I've been doing like test prep and stuff for like standardized testing. And like, that's a whole lot of work. Like I did an internship this summer and you were traveling, you did a bunch of internships, stuff like that. And like, we had things going on in our lives and we really were learning, just not necessarily out of a textbook. And um, I feel like I learned a lot this summer just from that. And I do think that the constant like thing of, oh my gosh, I got to do like my 30 page essay or whatever, like that's not what we had to do. But you know what I'm saying? Um, To prepare for school when I just really needed like a big mental break and like that wasn't doing it for me because it's just a constant reminder of school when I think that there are different ways to learn. Um like I said, like through like different programs and internships and just like even meeting new people. I think that there's so many beneficial ways to learn, but I do agree with you in that like we, there definitely should be some, and I know I'm kind of straying off of my thing, but only because you did too. It's because like going in, like, especially for math, going like three months without doing a lick of math would be probably pretty detrimental. I think I forget everything. And I do think that you kids should be reading throughout the summer because that's just going to like stimulate your brain. And I think that there are a lot of kids, including myself, who probably wouldn't read if I wasn't forced to, because that's just like not something that I typically do in my free time. So I do think that assigning a couple books is kind of important just to kids keep kids somewhat engaged. But like we had like a massive A push assignment. We have like a big thing for AP bio. And it's like, honestly, kids are kind of half-assing like their summer work, getting it done at like the very last minute. It's probably not good quality. And my guess is that they're skimming it and not really putting in the effort, in which case they're not really learning. They're just doing it to get it done. And it's like, 
you should just teach it quickly at the beginning of the year. If it's a really, it's a concept you need to get done, teach it at the beginning of the year the way you want it to be taught and they'll actually retain it and understand it versus doing it in the summer when one, there's so many distractions, kids aren't motivated. And like, I don't know, I mean, like they're just learning from other things and it's probably the last thing that they want to do at the moment. And so if there's no motivation and like they're doing it kind of, they're slacking on it, I really just don't think there's a point because I don't think that you're going to remember it. And then this is our last question. Wow, I love how like all of our things kind of feed into each other. Like the profession talked about teaching, the teaching, I kind of talked about standardized testing, but standardized testing is fair and appropriate. Jude's taking the against, I'm taking the pro, which I hate because I hate, hate, hate this. I don't you want know to. You know, you yourself against. I just I know because I told you I wasn't yes. thinking, I was doing it randomly. Um. So I really think, I think standardized testing, number one, stresses students out. Number two, doesn't actually um show any real skill from the student um number three it was originally made for like the male brain which means that over 50 percent of america's population is actually already put at, at, at a technical disadvantage um in a environment that is or that was already like previously male dominated and obviously in many ways women still um are fighting for their places in like in certain areas um and yeah it's just like all around like a lot of it doesn't make sense yes you have like the act and the sat so like there's an option but it's like also it's a really long test a lot of people don't perform that well under that kind of pressure and um and it's just like not i don't think it actually i don't think it's healthy for students i know some crazy people who who have been like studying for the the standardized testing since they were in like fifth grade because their parents were so stressed about it and I just don't think that can be healthy yeah so I'll preface by saying personally I have issues with it because it's not a test about how smart you are I'm gonna switch my argument in a second it's not a test about how smart you are it's about the resources that you have yes you need to be competent but in all these I'm taking ACT prep the entire class is about how to take the test. It's not about how to like, it's not learning. It's about how to take a test and how to recognize patterns within a test. If you don't have the financial funds or the access to an ACT tutor or something like this or an SAT tutor, you're automatically going to do worse than the kids who were brought up in an environment where that's given to them. They have the resources. They're able to take practice tests like with a proctor and everything. You're automatically at a disadvantage. So that's what I would say. That's why I would definitely take the like against for this if I had my choice. But I will say, that I know a lot of schools have things like grade inflation versus like we're another private school, maybe like an hour away from us, the class that you and I, if we all took the same class, they might've gotten like an A plus, even though they got the same grades as us because of like grade inflation. Whereas we might've gotten like a B because, you know, our teacher decided to do something mean. It was just like a really hard grader. And on a transcript, like a, a college um, admissions officer is not going to see that, you know, there was great inflation or somehow, you know, that student had an advantage in some sort. So there does need to be some sort of standardized way to really test people when they're on the same playing field, they're giving the exact same test, you know, they're seeing exactly how you perform. Um, there's one standard method of grading, but of course, I don't think you can call it standardized because take a kid who does, like, who does not come from as privileged as a background as we do, they're not going to have the resources to take this test and to do well on it. So that's why I personally have a big issue with it. But I do understand the principle of having something very standardized amongst everyone where you can really just see where you fall. Um, and it's 
really quick method to rule somebody out. If you get like a 19 on the ACT, you're probably going to get ruled out of a decent amount of schools. Nothing against getting a 19. It's just like the caliber of schools. If you're looking at a very high caliber of school, they're going to rule you out automatically. So I do think that it's a pretty efficient way to just cut some people out of these like application processes, processes. But I will say that there needs to be a different sort of standardized. I don't even think it should be, it can be a test because at this point, people will always find ways to, you know, find private tutors who are make sure that they're going to do better. So genuinely, I don't, uh, I have an issue with it, but I do understand the purpose of it. It is to, you know, find something sort of standardized amongst everyone, no matter your location. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I, I would just say that I, I, agree with you in a lot of ways we are very lucky and I'm I know that I will get tutored for such tests because the other thing about it is it's like a lot of schools will say test optional now but if you would ask any professional and there are a lot of people who are their main profession is getting kids into college they will not think it is a good idea for you to go test optional because there's not we don't live in a world where it's not beneficial to take that test yet so yeah that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I know that it's been a pretty long time since our last episode, maybe three weeks. But like we said, we're getting back into school. We're going to start trying to go more regularly. And then also um, getting back more into our three truth of today questions and becoming more, you know, kind of like how it was at the beginning, I guess you'd say. Um, and then we are also looking at getting uh, some guests on here. Uh, so it's not just us talking all the time because I know that can probably get a little um, kind of boring. But Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you all next time.